we're kicking off a little college football. It is that time of year again. College football is back indeed. Welcome to the first episode of Gridiron Gold. I am your host, Keaton Campbell, and joining me is Chloe Norsif, Jake Willoughby, and Ellery Davidson. Today's episode is about conference realignment in college football. We have some great content on this week's episode. First, we have an audio story from Ellery, where she interviews sports reporters, players, and fans, and dives into the ever-changing landscape of college football and conference realignment. Then we will hear from Jake's interview with the voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley, where we get to hear Bill's thoughts on conference realignment. And lastly, we will wrap it up with the discussion between the four of us on our own opinions of conference realignment and what we think. But without further ado, let's get into Ellery's story. College football has entered uncharted territory. We're experiencing the downfall of the mighty Pac-12. We see the Pac-12 is really on life support right now. And entering the era of super conferences. I spoke with several individuals in the sports field to find out their thoughts on the conference realignment and what the future of college football could look like. I am here with University of Utah defensive tackle, Jory Benson. Here are his thoughts on the conference realignment and the youth headed to the Big 12. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so, Jory, you've played at three different colleges for football. You have a good grasp at what it means to be a football player in several different conferences. And as you know, Utah is moving to the Big 12 next year. Are you excited? What do you think that's going to look like across the football landscape? I think it's great for the team just because it gives us a different uh, wide range of programs and, and teams we play against. Uh, uh, different opponents we've never faced before. Is there a, a certain school that you're most excited to play in the Big 12? Well, I would say personally the the BYU game. I'm looking okay. forward to that, the Holy War, just because. So tell was, them, tell them where you played. I, I was there, I was there for, for a year, but the Holy War is definitely a big game and right. a lot of viewers watch it, so looking forward to that for sure. The University of Utah's decision to join the Big 12 not only impacts the football team, but also other athletes and students. I am here with Luke Geyer, a Utah cheerleader and avid Utah fan, to hear his opinion on the conference realignment and what that looks like for college football. Recently, um, the University of Utah made a decision to move out of the Pac-12 into the Big 12. How do you think this is going to impact your experience on the cheer team as well as other sports at the U? I think as a cheerleader, uh, we're going to be okay, but as like a fan, it's going to be a lot different not being able to make as many away games. I think the Utes aren't going to travel as heavy as we have in the past. I think as um, a student on the team, it'll be really exciting to be able to go to these new campuses and see these new locations. And it'll also be more taxing in terms of the longer distances that we have to travel. And Luke, what team are you most excited to play against in this new conference? Yeah, definitely the Cougars. That's going to be an exciting rivalry to come back. I think um, staying with Colorado is going to be a really exciting thing. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what Coach Prime um, develops out of Colorado. They're going to be really good in the next few years with all the extra recruits and the good coaching staff they've got going on there. So I'm going to say maintaining that relationship with them is going to be really exciting to see. While Utah and several other colleges around the nation prepare for realignment, many have speculated on what will happen to the Pac-12 what changes will occur in sports media, and if super conferences are upon us. I'm here with Mary Louise Cook, a KSL sports reporter, who shares her take on the future of college sports and media. 
guess what was going to happen. I mean, we look at the power five conferences and obviously we see the PAC 12 is really on life support right now, which is really unfortunate, but um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. We see the big 10, the big 12, the sec acquiring these new schools. And I wonder if we're going to see just these powerhouse conferences that are just at the top and just seeing the elimination of other ones. College football as we know it is coming to an end. However, with a new generation of talented athletes, coaches, and passionate audiences, the spark and excitement of college football will not die with the Pac-12. As we enjoy our final year before realignment, we prepare for the new beginnings in the Big 12. Wow, thank you, Ellery. That was an amazing audio story and some really good interviews with some insight on conference realignment. Now we have Jake with his interview with the voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so I just want to talk about conference realignment, a little bit about Utah and a little about NIL. Uh, and, and so the first question I got for you is, in 2021, when you first heard that you know Texas and Oklahoma were moving from the Big 12 to the SEC, what was your like initial gut reaction to that move? Um, a little bit of surprise, nothing really shocks me anymore, especially when it comes to conference alignment, but I was a little surprised by it only because, uh, Texas and Oklahoma do really, really well financially already better than anybody else in the big 12. And they've kind of ruled the roost of the big 12 too. All these moves are predicated upon football. So really what everybody's trying to do is get into the playoff, try to win a national championship and I thought the path to the national championship became markedly more difficult by leaving the Big 12, which has been soft for years, and then entering the toughest conference in America. Now, I get the financial windfall. They probably will make an extra 50 to fifty to $55 million a year in media rights fees. But Texas and Oklahoma, to be very fair, not that everybody can't use more money, um, they don't really need it like, say, Kansas or Kansas State or Iowa State or Texas Tech might. So it was a little surprising on that side of it. But again, what we've learned through and through over the years is money talks and it's always about the money. Definitely. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Thank you. Uh, did you think that that would start sort of a chain reaction with other teams moving around or did you think it would be sort of a localized decision? Um, usually these things have reactions to them. Um, there was no reaction immediately. It took another year, obviously. Yeah. And then USC and UCLA left. And that, of course, was money driven as well. Um, I think it's also driven by the fact that a lot of these conferences have been very uh, reactive instead of proactive. Yeah. There's a reason the SEC is what is powerful as it is. They're a proactive conference with a very good commissioner. Um, that was all done on the secret. Same thing with the Big Ten. They went in and poached. And that was also done with, with Fox's help. I mean, don't think any of these moves don't take place without ESPN and Fox playing a role in them as well. But um I was more caught off guard by the USC UCLA thing only because again, those two teams have kind of been flagship institutions for the PAC 12. And again, USC doesn't need the money. UCLA does. Uh, they're the, U, the UC schools are fairly broke. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they were the flagship institutions in Los Angeles. And I, you know, the geographic move for Texas and Oklahoma wasn't a huge one. It was gigantic for USC and UCLA. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that moves right into my next question. With those those big four initial teams, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington moving, what was your what was your reaction to that in in the manner of 
how that's going to affect not just football, but every other sport. Are you talking about big picture or just for those schools? I guess big picture because the other schools have to travel there as well. So big picture. Well, I mean, it, it's it's screwed up. I mean, there, yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever. Football is the only sport that makes any money. Basketball on the men's side breaks even and everything else loses money. Totally. So, yeah, you're grabbing a lot of money here up front for football, and that will certainly help you. But now you're taxing your student athlete by forcing them, especially in Olympic sports that most of them play midweek, to travel one, two, sometimes three time zones away. Um, so that doesn't make any sense. And especially if you're looking out for the student athlete, um, you know, the Oregon and Washington thing came later. I mean, that was all because, you know, had the Pac-12 been able to you know, cut a decent deal after USC and UCLA left, Oregon and Washington probably would not have left. But, you know, the Pac-12 showed it's again, it's its ability to be reactive instead of proactive and waited around for a year and a half and then didn't get the deal they needed to keep the league together. But as far as the other sports, it's going to be devastating. And I really think that within four or five years, we're going to see football split off from everything else, govern itself. And the, the Olympic sports, maybe basketball does too, but I would, wouldn't be surprised if everything but football comes back to being regional. I don't know that we'll get conferences in the same sense we've gotten in the past, but we'll have more regionality where if you're based on the West Coast, you're going to play West Coast teams and not travel across the country for your quote unquote conference games. I just don't think it's going to make any sense for all the other sports. It doesn't make any sense now, but it's going to make even less sense three or four or five years from now when your girls tennis team is traveling from Los Angeles to Piscataway, New Jersey. And flying commercial to do it because you're sure not going to charter every Olympic sport. You can barely afford to charter football and basketball. So it's going to end up catching up and the greed is going to impact the Olympic sports and the student athletes that are in those sports. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. What you what you said about football kind of breaking off and governing themselves is really interesting. That's something I've seen Joel Klatt kind of talk about. Um, do you think that they'd be able to break away from the NCAA to do that, to govern themselves? Is that yeah, the NCAA is a toothless organization. They don't yeah. run football now. Football yeah. runs itself. The championships, the playoffs, that's not run by the NCAA. The NCAA runs the basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. They run other championships. Football's its own, its own, its own entity already now. So, and, and who's going to stop them? They can't even govern against, you know, people that break minor infractions. Mm -hmm. Do you think if Greg Sankey and the SEC and uh, and uh, Brett Yormark of the Big 12 say we're going to go. Who's going to stop them? You can't. It's all up to the schools. The schools are the board, are the members of the the NCAA exists because of the schools that were are within it. If if 50 schools decide they want to pull out, the NCAA is not going to have anything to do with it. And what are they going to say? No, we don't want your basketball money. They're toothless. And we've seen that for years, but it's going to happen, whether it's in a super conference form or it's going to be a, a 60 schools pulling out. You're going to see football separate. That's super interesting. Super interesting. I, I agree. That's you're leading right into my next question, too. That's awesome. So you think that super conferences are possible? And and if so, like, what is it going to take? Is it going to take those those commissioners that you're mentioning to toll out? Or is, is there a different a different manner in which super conferences could form? And then how long? Well, it's TV. TV dictates that because okay. TV writes the check to the foot, to the, to the different leagues. So Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC didn't happen because the SEC and Oklahoma and Texas wanted it. It happened because ABC and CBS and Fox wanted it. 
USC and UCLA went to the Big Ten because Fox executed a coup. And it's going to be the same thing now. Now, we're, we're on the precipice of, of super conferences anyway. We basically have four super conferences now. The ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC. It's just going to be a member, uh, a matter of do they consolidate again? Do you go 20 and 20? Do you go 25 and 25? Is it three conferences or is it two conferences? And then is it almost like the NFL model where you've got an AFC and an NFC, one super conference and the other? But make no mistake about it. It's going to happen. It's already begun to happen. The next round of whatever it is that happens is going to probably be lead us to the super conferences. And we're going to see more consolidation, much like Oregon State and Washington, Washington State got left out. There's going to be other schools that get left out in this thing because not every there's only going to be so many chairs to sit down in. And when that music stops. Kansas might be on the outside looking in. Vanderbilt might be on the outside looking in. It's it's gonna there's gonna be more of this. If Oregon State people thought Oregon State and Washington State were bad, this next round there could be a dozen schools that get left out. Definitely, yeah, that's super interesting. And the playoff implications look super weird there with it with the two conference system. Like I, I have no idea what that even looks like anymore. The playoffs gonna have to be totally revamped. Well, yeah, I mean, the 12 team playoffs going to expand once because there's too much money. Remember, remember, the NCAA basketball tournament was once 24 teams. Then it went to 32 teams. Then it went to 48 teams. Then it went to 64 teams. And now we've got, you know, basically play in games. So it's more like 68 teams because of money and because the TV was willing to pay for it. The 14 playoff was never going to stay 14 playoffs. We'll have 12. And I guess we'll, I bet we'll have 12 for probably four or five years. And that will lead into probably that next round of realignment when television contracts expire. Yeah. And then they'll go back and figure out if they want to go to 16, 18, 20. But yeah, the, the playoff format will be 12. My guess is for probably four or five years. Interesting. Well, that's really interesting to think about. Thank you. Really quick, I want to move on to a little bit about Utah specifically. And so obviously covering Utah, you're going to have opinions on the Big 12 move. What do you think is the biggest pro and the biggest con of that move for Utah specifically? Well, the biggest pro is they stay in a power league. (laughs) They're they're not Oregon State and Washington State. They're still in a power league. And from a football standpoint, they'll step into the Big 12, if not the best program, one of the best two or three programs immediately in that conference. Mm -hmm. Um, From a fan standpoint, you know, factor the fans in. It's a more passionate and emotional and, I guess, fan-driven league than the, than the Pac-12. Pac-12 is a great league, but it's eh, it's a little bit of a wine and cheese group. There's not very many passionate fan bases. Washington, Utah, probably Oregon are the most passionate. Oregon State's probably in there, too. Yeah. So there'll be that part of it. The downside of it is, you know, it's a gigantic conference. You're mm-hmm. spanning from the Pacific time zone kind of sort of sometimes when Arizona's depending on what time of year it is all the way to the Eastern time zone. So it's still going to be a difficult challenge for the Olympic sports. Football doesn't matter. Everybody charters. It's a one day trip. You're back the next day. No big deal. Basketball, small group, a lot of teams charter, but it's it's still going to be a challenge on the Olympic sports. Not as big a challenge as say like USC and UCLA and even Oregon and Washington going to the big 10 but it's still a a wide swath and it's still going to challenge this. The one conference that's really still very tight is the SEC. It's still the one conference that's still somewhat geographically relevant. The ACC has two teams that are on literally the Pacific ocean. 
They've added Cal and Stanford. The name of the conference is the Atlantic Coast <laughs> Conference, and they've got two schools that are literally on the Pacific Ocean. The, 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 the Big 12 now is the Big 16. The Big 10 is the Big 18. Yeah. The ACC still stretches from, what, Syracuse all the way down to Miami. Right, That's yeah. a huge yeah. geographic spot. Really, the SEC from Austin to about South Carolina, but it's all kind of still geographically in the South. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. But, 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 again, it's better than being left out. That's, that's the deal. You're going to get your financial, somewhat of a financial windfall. You're in a, one of the best three conferences. Now the SEC, the big 10 and the big 12 are the best three conferences and you're still relevant. And for Utah in particular, to be able to step in, in women's basketball, they'll be great right away. Football, they'll be fantastic right away in several other sports too. So that part of it's really good. Yes. No, I definitely agree. Awesome. I just want to ask a couple things about NIL really quickly. With the brand new dynamic that NIL introduces, do you think that long-term college football is going to be more pay to win than it even used to be when those deals were being made under the table? You mean pay to play? Pay to play. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, NIL is not going away. Yeah. You open that bottle without any rules, that genie's not going back in the bottle anymore. But I think you're going to see football, especially football, a little bit maybe with some of the other sports, but but football mostly structured like a pro sport. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the NIL stuff, it, it's great in theory, but you've got to put some guardrails on it because there's going to be a lot of people that invest in NIL and then don't get a return on investment. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. You can't, you can't hand a blank check to a kid that's never played a down and then, you know, and then what does he do? If he doesn't play, what have you paid for? People yeah. eventually want to return on their on their investment. So I think you're going to see things structured to where uh, deals are negotiated almost like pro contracts or NIL deals are going to have incentive. You might get a little bit of a base initially, but if you want to earn the rest of your NIL deal, it's going to be performance based. You're going to have to score touchdowns or get sacks or make field goals or whatever it might happen to be. I think that, you know, we're still really early on in this, but I think as we move forward, I think those NIL deals are going to become a little bit more performance-based. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you can't hand people money for work they don't do. That doesn't exactly. work. It doesn't happen in the real world. If I don't show up for work, my boss isn't going to cut me a check. I mean, that's just how it is. And yeah. if a kid, you know, you give a kid $100,000, but he never sees the field, well, you know, what, what, what's your, you know, what's your deal? So it's going to, I think you're going to see small kind of signing bonuses, almost like they like to say, mm -hmm. and then everything else will be based on what you do on the court, on the field, whatever it might be. For sure. Going along with that. Do you think that let's say, let's say that is the case 10 years down the line, that there is more of that signing bonus style deal with incentives. Do you think that the athletes that are taking those are going to factor that in higher than necessarily the, the, competitiveness of the school if Vanderbilt offers a better NIL deal than let's say a Kentucky right they're they're less competitive but uh, they're going to get more money do you think that that will be a major factor or do you think it's not going to play as much of a factor in that well, I think it'll be a factor I think it's a factor now I think mm -hmm. kids look at that I mean it's one of the first thing things recruits ask now is what's the NIL deal look like but if it's a comparable deal or pretty close you're going to go to the school that's better if your goal is to play professional in your sport, 
that's going to play a role in it. Does your school put guys in whatever league it is that you want to play in professional basketball, professional soccer, professional football. So yeah, you want your NIL, NIL deal. The education is going to have to play a role in it too, unless these guys just become full-time and gals become full-time, you know, paid employees. But I think it's going to be money because money always comes first. But I think also it's what's the program like, do they win? Do they put players advance them to the next level? For sure. That makes sense. Because I guess even if they get a little bit more bonus now, down, if they make it to the NFL, NBA, whatever, that's going to be a lot more money. Well, yeah, you're, you're always going to make. Yeah. I mean, that's why people saying that Caleb Williams returning to USC for another year. That's silly. Mm -hmm. You can't go higher than the number one pick. Mm -hmm. And in a sport that's violent where you can get injured, he's going to make his future in the NFL is hundreds of millions of dollars. His future at USC is five or six million dollars. It, just, it wouldn't make any sense for him. It would make sense if he might was, you know, let's say you're Michael Penix. Mm. Okay, Michael Penix might go number 12 or number 11. Maybe Michael wants to be a top three draft pick if he had another year of eligibility. Maybe he comes back to Washington. But if you're going to be number one or number two, you can't go any higher. And all the talk of them going, well, I don't want to go to this team or that team. Well, quarterbacks have done that before, but he'll yeah. still go to the league. Yeah. He's, he's not going to pass up that payday to come back and play in college where he might get hurt. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. That's about our time. Uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're super busy. This was so, so helpful. Thank you so much. It was awesome getting to talk to you. Thank you, Jake. That was an awesome interview and great to get to hear from the voice of the Utah Utes and Bill Riley and awesome for our podcast. Now we're going to get to go into a little discussion between the four of us and share our opinions. Conference realignment has some exciting new aspects to it. Chloe, being a Kansas Jayhawk fan, are you excited for us playing them in the next couple of years? Yes, I'm really excited. I remember when I was really little, I asked my dad, um, since he's a huge fan of the Jayhawks, if we would ever play each other. And he said it's unlikely since we were never in the same conference and we never kind of like line up to ever play against each other. And so when I found out that we were moving, I instantly texted him. I was like, uh, we have a huge rival now. So <laughs> I'm really excited to see how the game pans out. Unfortunately, we're not playing them next year. We'll be playing them in the following year, but I will 100% be there in Lawrence, Kansas. You know, probably going to be sideline cheering. Actually, true. <laughs> I'll be graduated by then, so I might actually be sideline working for them, maybe. Who knows? Absolutely. No, I'm so excited, too. Being from Provo, having the Holy War come back is like probably the most exciting thing. I'm like, I cannot wait to smoke BYU again. Uh, we need our redemption. Absolutely. We do. I mean, we ended on such a sore note. I know. Lost them, and I, I was know. like, we'll never play them again. And it's time to run it back. It is time to run it back. One more game that I just can't wait for is Cincinnati. I think it's kind of a sleeper. They're an up and coming program. They're in the playoff not that long ago. And they're just consistently such a fun team to watch. And the atmosphere there in Ohio is going to be super fun. Can't wait to go there and beat them there. Can't yeah. wait to travel, man. Yeah, it's Woo! gonna be sick. It's gonna be so much fun. I'm just excited with all these new schools coming into us, and it'll be it'll be fun for even all sports as well. So I'm excited. Well, that wraps up our very first episode of the Gridiron Gold Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us discuss conference realignment. Please tune in next week when we discuss everything NIL. We appreciate you supporting us, and we'll see you next week.